Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser. I'm a positive health psychologist, also keynote and TEDx speaker, and author of the award-winning and best-selling book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is The Mental Health Gym. It's your source of all sorts of information regarding wellness, positive psychology, my own spin on it, which I call goal-achieving psychology, rejuvenating, and lots of other things that can contribute to your well-being. It's also the place where you can suggest future guests of this podcast. As listeners to the podcast are well aware, our guest lineup, in addition to being pretty fabulous, just generally tends to be selective of people who lead their own lives with enthusiasm and can help us to become the best versions of ourselves in a positive, enthusiastic approach to life. So uh, as you can probably guess, today's guest fits that mold and fits it in a very special way. Christy Whitman is a New York Times bestselling author, life coach, and transformational leader. She has appeared on the Today Show, The Morning Show, TEDx Stage, The Hallmark Channel, and her work has been featured in numerous publications and magazines. Her book, The Art of Having It All, was a New York Times bestseller and has helped millions shift their mindset from can't, with a T, to can. Her new book is The Desire Factor, How to Embrace Your Materialistic Nature to Reclaim Your Spiritual Power. The book title itself leads to lots of questions, but... uh, Let me get started by, first of all, welcoming you, Christy. It's such a pleasure to have you on Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. I'm so grateful to be with you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's our pleasure and really looking forward to the conversation. So let's get right into it. One of the, as I said, our guests usually tend to come from a positive perspective and tend to utilize the idea of leading their own lives with enthusiasm, but they come to it from various different directions. So uh, let me just set the groundwork by asking, what what is kind of the core belief or principles that, that underlie your work? So 25 years ago, my life changed by learning about universal laws such as law of attraction. So that's one of the, the seven essential laws that I talk about, but it's really about understanding that everything is energy. We know this from quantum physics, from modern science, and it's understanding how we are the interpreters of energy, how we are the transmitters of energy. And when we are transmitting energy from our mind, our emotions, our perspective, our words that we say and the actions that we take, we are attracting things to us that are of like vibration. So everything is really based on the fact that everything is energy. All energy carries a vibration. That vibration goes out into the universe and collects more things, resonates with more things that are like it. And then it, that's what we get into our own human experience. Yeah, that's, that's really fascinating. Uh, I frequently tell listeners that I always wind up asking at least one dumb question. Today, it's 
going to be particularly early where I ask it. Um, you know, <laughs> energy is one of those things. I, I wake up, I feel energetic or not energetic. I can turn on power. Um, energy has not a vague meaning, but but it's kind of not the meaning that many people might associate with what you're talking about. Uh, so can you tell us on, on a personal basis when we talk about radiating energy and things of this nature, can you explain energy a little more? Absolutely. So when I say everything is energy, there's manifested energy, things that have been manifested, like you and I were physical human beings, right? And like you said, you wake up in the morning and you feel like you got lots of energy or you feel like you've got a little bit of energy. When you feel you have a lot of energy, you are in more of the flow, right? And when you have less energy, you're in more resistance to energy. So some days you might feel more vitality and feeling more like you've got more, right? Well, that's because there's nothing obstructing that flow of energy. When we look at it from a spiritual perspective, what's breathing us, our life, right? When we know that we're no longer living because our body, which is physical, is literally just there. There's no life force. There's no animation of the body. The heart's not beating. The, the mind's not working. All of that that keeps us alive is energy, which is energy is source. It's the divine. And so everything here in the physical perspective, just even in our physical bodies, we are connected to essence and frequency and energy. So if we are wanting to feel successful, we can bring in and connect with the energy of what it feels like to be successful. Or if we're wanting to feel more in a sense of well-being, we can connect with that feeling because what's in us is also outside of us. It's the divine, it's life that's breathing us. And when you think about it, it's kind of like a fish swimming in, in water, right? It's like it, we're surrounded by energy. Everything that's non-manifested, if you put your hands together and imagine a ball of energy, that's a ball of air, Right. That's energy. It's just unmanifested energy, unlike us that are manifested energy. So if I wake up or even in the middle of the day, if I'm feeling lethargic and not very energetic and, you know, kind of figure this, this sucks, I don't want to feel like this. What can I do about it? So figure that what you can do, for example, is just say, okay, I want to be filled up with energy. And just, you can imagine as if you are being doused energetically given like a waterfall of light from source, bring, bring energy into, you can imagine like all the trillions of cells that are in your body are like little cups with receptor sites. They're always looking to bring in energy. And if we're not bringing in the higher energy that we want, like vitality and abundance and freedom and those energies that feel good, it's because they have been saturated with energies that don't feel good. So for example, things that zap our energy or pull our energy down that you say that is that this sucks, you know, kind of feeling this experience. When we worry, that's also energy in our body, but it's a lower vibration energy than faith or abundance or success or love, right? When we're in fear, that fear energy zaps, that fear is energy and it zaps the feeling of feeling energetic, right? So 
there's a lot of emotions such as worry and doubt and fear and frustration, disappointment, sadness. These are energies that literally suck the life force out of us. They block the higher energies from coming in. So a lot of times it's about understanding how to master your own energy so that you can process, if you're feeling fear, for example, you can literally process the emotions of fear and then connect with and bring in, you can imagine all those cells like reaching up towards, you know, towards the light, bring in the energy of pure positivity. So love, you know, Mm -hmm. fun, joy, and fill yourself up and imagine releasing the, the energies that pull you off. Yeah, it's really interesting. So I said, I usually ask a dumb question. I usually ask one impolite one too. And I guess I'm wondering, you know, as I listen, I assume that there may be some other listeners that have a, a skeptical part of themselves as I do. I'm, I'm just wondering, can't we just bypass talking about energy? In other words, if I want to do something happier or more positive or more energetic, to use the term, can't I just tell myself, you know, hey, this isn't the way I want to behave? Does it have to run through energy as opposed to just having a brain and saying, hey, I I want to do things differently because it's better? Well, yeah, that's a couple of the principles that I talk about in the desire factor. The first principle is alignment. And the second one is focus. When you're, when you realize that you're focusing on how you don't want to be, and you decide to be something else or to act in another way, you're, you're shifting your energy. We're thinking, okay, well, I'm shifting my mindset, but we're also shifting the energy because when you think about it, if your mindset is in lack isn't in not enoughness, is in frustration or being, you know, being rude or behaving in a way you don't want to. And then you shift your perspective to being kind, right? To being loving. You're all shifting that perspective and deciding how you want to be. You're also shifting the energy with it, right? Mm-hmm. Because kindness, for example, patience towards someone has a very different energy than being rude or being impatient with someone, mm-hmm. right? So even just changing the mindset, changing the focus, where you're putting your energy, am I going to look at what's right and good, or am I going to look at what's wrong and bad? That's shifting your focus, but what happens is we're not compartmentalized. When you change your mindset, when you change your focus about, you know, I'm going to look for all the things I'm grateful for today, all the things that are right about my life, all the things that I can count my blessings for, now you start to feel good, right? And that feeling good is a very strong vibration that goes out into the universe and it collects more things. And now what happens is the mind start noticing a lot of other things because it's now in that momentum of looking at, oh yeah, and that person and oh, and yes, where I live and oh, my dog. And, you know, you start looking at all the other things. You're, you're now in a, you're creating focus and you're creating momentum of focus in what you want and less of what you don't. Great. Thank you for clarifying things and and thank you for uh, making me think that maybe it wasn't such a, an impolite question after all. Not at all. It led to, to a good answer. But you mentioned uh, some of the principles. I know you have seven of them. Could you give us a short course on the seven principles? 
Yeah. So they all go together. And what I mean by that, it's kind of like back in the day, if you remember having a padlock, you know, and you had the numbers that had to go in order, if you mixed up the numbers, you know, you were, you're not going to open up that lock. Right. I remember spending time as a, as a kid having locker bays in schools, you know, and having the lock and trying to, you know, get to get to class and get my books. And, and yeah. the lock wasn't, if it wasn't precise and wasn't in exact order, it didn't open up. And it's like this. So these seven principles go in exact order. A lot of people may know of these different principles, but they have them kind of like puzzle pieces, right? They've got the pieces in the wrong places. And so these are designed to literally have it be, and it's like a domino effect. Once you do one, you do the next one and the next one and the next one. It leads to not only feeling good and excited about your desires, but it leads to manifesting them. It leads to realizing your desires. And so these are principle, first of all, of alignment. In order to have what you want in your life, whether you call it a dream, a goal, or a desire, is that you have to, first of all, speak the language. The words that you speak have to be in alignment. So you're speaking words of can instead of can't, right? So that what you're saying, because the words have power, what you're saying is in alignment with what you want. Where your focus is, your entire mindset, like we just talked about, is it focused in the direction of moving towards your desire or is it thinking that you can't have it or you don't believe you can, right? The whole aspect of joyful expectancy is another one, right? We have expectations in life. We We cannot not focus. And we have expectations once we focus on something that things are gonna turn out really, really bad, right? Or they're going to turn out really, really good. Our expectations, even our energy. And that's like alignment, focus, joyful expectation. Those are the first three principles. The next three are having. Now, this is an interesting discussion. I could talk for days on this because a lot of times when someone notices that they want something, they notice it because they don't have it, right? Or they're frustrated with it, or they're displeased with it. They're noticing the contrast of what's going on in their lives. And so they then say, well, I'd rather have this or I don't want this anymore, right? And when we're talking about energy and in order to attract what we want, we need to be in the place of being that vibrational match. But if we're in the feeling that we're lacking it instead of having it, it creates a bigger dissonance and it creates a bigger distance from actually attaining it. So the principle of having is really feeling as if, you know, people say act as if, no, you don't need to act as if you need to feel as if, because acting as if gets people in trouble. Sometimes they take action thinking, well, I'm going to act as if I'm already wealthy. But what do most people do is they take action. Then they go buy a new suit or they go buy fancy shoes or they go buy the house or they go buy something. They do something. They take some kind of action that a lot of time gets them into more trouble. It's not about taking action at that point. It's about feeling as if, feeling you're in complete health, feeling that you're aging, but you're feeling youthful. It's like you're youthing instead of aging, right? It's, it's really being able to feel as if that you have what you want before it actually comes as a manifestation. And, and the next principle is loving it, right? Loving the feeling, of feeling successful, loving the feeling of feeling well or energetic, right? That it, loving is love is the highest vibration in the universe. And when we love ourselves, when we love our life, when we love our experiences, 
it brings us more situations, circumstances, events, people, relationships that we love. It's a whole vibrational momentum that happens. The next one is a big one for people to get because a lot of times the principle of surrender, people think that means giving up or losing. Especially I get this a lot from men that have gone to war and you know have come with that kind of perspective is that if you're surrendering, you're giving up, you're losing. Surrendering from this perspective is releasing and letting go all the things that don't feel good, like the fear, surrendering that, releasing that, right? A lot of times the mind wants to try to figure out who and when and where and how and what, right? You know, all the all those things, it's the mind's job to do that. At some point, you have to surrender that, I don't know, you know? I, I don't know what the next step is. I surrender and I allow myself to open. I surrender that there might be other options that I'm not aware of, and I'm open to receive what those other options are. So surrendering is a big spiritual principle. And then, because it's it's co-creating with your divine self, the energy. And then the last one is the principle of action and taking action with the fullness, not doing anything, you know, kind of half half doing it or calling it in. You know, it's like you're you're there with the full presence of who you are, fully engaged in whatever action you're taking. And it's, it's a very different philosophy than hard work, like working hard. It's really working with the fullness and giving everything that you have in that moment. So those are the seven principles. Yeah, that really lays it out in in a very understandable way. I'm sure you expand upon it in in the book and so on. Um, But it it really clarifies a lot of things. I uh, wonder, though, as you were talking, certain percentage of people I work with and who listen to the podcast are in the older age ranges. Do you see anything uh, or find any challenges that are particularly unique to them? Or is it just a matter of you apply the principles pretty much the same way, no matter where you are? Well, yes. If anybody applies the principles, no matter what age and what your you know past beliefs are, you're, you're going to get where you want to go. The thing that we find, though, is a lot of times what needs to be surrendered and where the focus and alignment needs to be is in old beliefs. So there's there's mass consciousness belief that as you get older, your body deteriorates. Well, that is a, a belief that many people have, but is it really true? Aren't there ev- isn't there evidence of people that live long, beautiful lives that are still very healthy? And then when it's their time to transition, they transition. And the answer is yes, there's many people that have evidence that you can be healthy, 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 and then transition. You don't have to be taking handfuls of pills and using a walker and having a lot of pain. You know, there are people that literally, because they connect with the essence energy of health and well-being, they allow them, their mind to be healthy, their spirit to be healthy. Therefore, their body reflects that. Their emotions are healthy. And I've had so many people that I've worked with that have had lots of different medications that they're taking, issues that they've been diagnosed with. And when they started mastering their own energy, mastering their emotions, the body will reflect it. Because if you have, um, I mean, they've, they've done so many different studies now at top universities where if you have a person that's very angry, they create cancer in the body. 
you know, that if you have uh, emotions that have been stuck, it could create migraines. It can create fibromyalgia. I mean, all these different chronic fatigue syndrome. I mean, all these different things where when you release the energy of those emotions and you learn a different way of being that you can literally change and shift and heal from those things and then be in a state of being in well-being because well-being is our natural state. It's our birthright. It's our blueprint. Our bodies know how to be healthy until the day we pass on. All of us will pass on. I mean, my, as my grandfather used to say, it's a game you can't get yourself out of, you know? It's like, we're all going to transition at some point, right? How, how that state of being is while we're here before we transition, that's a choice. That's a decision, like much like you teach, right? It's like we can, and choosing that, when you make a decision and a choice, everything else falls into place then. Because it's like, no, wait, I don't have to be this way. I don't have to. I I remember I'm 50 now, and I'm sure many of your listeners are older than I am. But I I made a decision at 45 when people were like, oh, yeah, you got hormones and, you know, you're going to start having menopause soon and you're gaining weight. And that's just what happens. And I could have made in that moment a decision that's like, okay, I guess that's just what's happening because that's what society says is going to happen. Or I can heal my hormones. And I did that. I lost weight. I felt better. I wasn't having hot flashes. Like I'm healthier today at 50 than I was in my 30s. And I continue, I will continue to be that way as long as I get to live. And so will my clients, because I understand that if there's an ache or pain or anything, there's an emotion associated with that. So I release the emotion and so does the pain. I take care of my body in ways that are not just the traditional medicine, not that traditional medicine is bad. It's very helpful, but we have to get beyond the beliefs that say, as I get older, I'm going to te- deteriorate and, you know, replace it with a belief that as I get older, I get better. I'm using, not aging. That's such a wonderful endorsement of the rejuvenating principle. I hadn't totally expected that my question would lead there, but I'm uh, so happy and proud to have a guest who leads her life that way. And you know, instills others to do so. And I don't know if you've used it in your book or not, but uh, you said well-being is our natural state. I don't think I've heard that before, but I may steal it from you and <laughs> hopefully we'll remember to uh, attribute it to you. It it's just sums up so many things. I'm wondering just in terms of, you know, somebody getting to your situation, you know, it's not like, okay, somebody studies some of these things and then they get a master's degree in it and so on. How Can you tell us a little bit about your journey to get to this point and how you reach, you know, the development of your ideas and philosophy uh, and so on? Yeah. I mean, I was in, I lived in Scottsdale, Arizona, most of my life. My parents were you know, upper middle class. I saw my dad work like a dog. I mean, he's one of the hardest working people I had ever seen. And, you know, I I picked up on, okay, these are the things that will make me happy. If I get married, if I get a degree, if I have health in my body, if I have money, you know, these are like kind of like the checklist of things. And I found myself early in my twenties, about 25 years ago. So I was about 25, 24 at the time. And I had gotten a good degree from a university, Arizona State University. I was engaged to be married. I had a high paying job. I had you know, climbed the corporate ladder very quickly. So I had a lot of success. I had friends, health in my body. 
and I was miserable. I was unhappy and I felt very unfulfilled and which depressed me at that time in my life. Cause I thought, okay, I, I got it. I kind of checked the, got the checklist. I checked everything on the list and I'm still not happy. What's wrong with me? Right. Why can't I be happy? And this led me into my own, you know, unraveling of the engagement and moving to California where I learned about meditation. And when I started meditating and understanding that my thoughts create my reality, I started paying attention to my thoughts, which at that time were very negative, very critical of myself, very judgmental, not just of myself, but of others, you know, God, the universe. And I started shifting my thoughts and becoming aware that my thoughts are not real. My thoughts are just my thoughts and that I can choose a more positive thought that feels good. And I started loving myself instead of berating myself. And so these small shifts, what I understood and what I really came to me is that I have been raised, as most people have, in a mindset of lack, not enough, scarcity, fear about not having enough, and you know, feeling separated from a lot of victim consciousness. And I started, to, I just became a student for myself because I wanted to learn what's the difference between an abundance mentality where abundance always feels good and a lack mentality where lack always feels bad. And so I became a student for myself. And as I was learning, I was applying. And as I was applying, I was seeing my life change. Like opportunities were coming to me. I felt a little, I felt more joyful than I'd ever felt. You know, I, I started dating a very different person than the bad boys that I used to date. You know, things started shifting and I had more success. I was making even more money. And then about five years into applying it myself, I had my very first book, Perfect Pictures, that literally downloaded through me in the middle of the night. 1.05 in the morning, I was woken up with this voice, got up, started writing, and my hand became totally independent of my own. And when I read it after, I was like, wow, it really, it was information that I needed, but was not coming from my consciousness. And I couldn't understand at that time, where, where is this coming from? But I got the book published and I started speaking in spiritual bookstores and churches and taking people through processes that I was taking myself through, through guided meditations. And then people started asking me to coach them. Now, this is 20 years ago. This is way before coaches, right? This is like coaching. Coaching wasn't cool. It was very woo-woo at that time. And I didn't ever have the desire or even the, the guidance to become a psychologist or to become a, a therapist. It, this was something like coaching literally just fell in my lap. And I started following the process of going to school for being a coach. I started having clients. I loved the process. I love seeing my clients get the results and have their lives starting to change because really what I was doing was helping people shift their energy, helping people shift their mindset, which then shift their energy from lack into abundance. And if you're thinking thoughts of abundance and if you're speaking words of abundance and feeling abundant, the universe brings you more evidence of that abundance. But if you're thinking thoughts of lack and you're you're worried and you're afraid and you know you're you're mired in that, it's like a continuous cycle. You get more because it's a vibrational universe. The universe gives you more to worry about and fret about. And so that is what I've been now teaching for 20 years and um, went full-time in my own business 15 years ago, helping people to 
uh, really understand the difference between a lack mentality and abundance mentality and how to apply it. Well, I guess that brings us to your current book. And <laughs> before I ask you to go into that a whole lot, I, as, as I mentioned in the introduction, I'm a little bit struck by the subtitle. I mean, the book title is The Desire Factor, but the subtitle, How to Embrace Your Materialistic Nature to Reclaim Your Spiritual Power. I don't know that I've ever seen materialistic and spiritual in the same sentence, let alone the same subtitle. So I don't know whether that is is a, a point where you can take us into the entire book or whether you want to explain the title first. And then let me ask you to t- what the, the core of the book is. Well, I think they both go hand in hand. So I'll just go ahead and answer. The, the fact is, is that because everything is energy, right? It doesn't matter if it's a plant or a purse, or a trip, or a human being, or a rock. Everything is based on energy. It all is. It's the spiritual essence that's underneath everything. And energy is spiritual. So when we look at things not as separate, like good or bad, or material or spiritual, or you know, when we look at everything in the wholeness, the oneness of what this human experience is, that I am both, it's not one or the other, it's both and. I am both physical and I'm also non-physical. I'm energy. And, you know, so when we embrace the things that instead of looking at these things are bad, they're here. So if they're here, they were, were created. Money is one of those things that people feel a lot of split energy on. We need money to survive. And yet we have these things in the past that tell us like the, the, the Bible and things of this nature, religious beliefs that tell us that money is the root of all evil. And so, you know, there's a split between human beings when you can embrace the wholeness of it and say, okay, I want money, but I'm going to use money for good and not obsess about money, right? Not, not be greedy with money, but understand that there is a greed that can happen It's polarity, is understanding that nothing here is ever all good or all bad. It's got a spectrum. And so when we can embrace the whole entire spectrum that, yeah, I could, if I have a lot of money, I could do a lot of evil things with that money, but I could also do a lot of good things with that money. But understanding and embracing the fact that there's a spectrum, there's a choice. It's not trying to you know, look away from, okay, I have money and I, I'll never be that way or try to defend against it. It's, it's understanding that that's the nature of, of the human perspective. There's people that are out of alignment doing things that are, you know, really horrible things. And there are people that are in alignment doing really wonderful things. Is it really about the money or the material things? No, it's about the person, whether they're in alignment or not. And when you embrace all of that, that no matter if we're a good person or a bad person, right, we all have the qualities of being really, really kind or being really, really bitchy, right? Or being rude. I have that ability. I've seen myself do, I've seen myself be really patient and I've seen myself be really impatient, right? We have a spectrum and it's embracing, not trying to push against all those things. And when we embrace the fact that, of course, we desire to live in a home and have nice things. Why is that bad? We're here to thrive and to feel good. And all of that is here. If we have a desire, the desi- nothing is birthed without a desire. 
And if we have that desire, the desire came from a deeper part of us because desires help us become more of who we are actually are. So accepting the fact that, that we desire things, it's not something to be fought, but to embrace. Yes. Okay. Yes. And I assume uh, the book shows us how to do it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. So, so how does somebody get it? Where does one order the book or how do you, is it in bookstores, is it online or how do you get it? It's everywhere. It's everywhere. So you can actually go to the desirefactor.com and we actually have all the places it's available, but you could go to a local bookstore. You could go to, you know, Target, Walmart. I mean, any place, um, Amazon. So it's, it's located everywhere. And then we have it in um, audio. And then we have it in Kindle, and then we also have it in paperback. So there's lots of ways to consume it. Great. And I know you've had at least one New York Times bestseller, which makes me jealous, but <laughs> I suspect you might have another one on the way. In Thank the you. meantime, I know the book is great, but there's a lot of other things that you do. And I wonder uh, for the listeners, if they want to learn more about you, where do they go? Uh, can they follow your work and so on? Yeah. So you could go to christywhitman.com is my main website. Okay. And it's not spelled the same as the former governor. It's, no, but any way you spell it, you'll get there. So any way you type in Christy or any type you, any way you type in Whitman, you'll you'll be redirected to the actual site. Okay. But for the obsessives among us, it is spelled with a Y. Christy is with a Y. C-H-R-I-S-T-Y. Yeah. Right. And I know you're also on social media pretty widely and so on. Boy, this has been delightful, Christy. I uh like I said, I there's there's a part of me that entered this with skepticism, but I see that we share a lot of the same kinds of things. I'm really glad that uh, I had the opportunity to speak with you and to share your information with our audience. want to wish you the best of success going forward and express my appreciation for, for sharing your time and your expertise with us. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ron. And this has been another episode of Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser, the podcast designed to help you live your life enthusiastically. Again, let's make sure to visit the website to stay up to date on all kinds of wellness information and positive psychology information. If you have desires to contact me about anything, the website is also the, the right place. It's ron.kaiser at the mentalhealthgym.com. And I hope that you will, if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the podcast, download this episode, rate it, and uh, tell people about it because Christy has a lot of great information to share with, with others. So uh, want to get the word out there. And don't forget to be back next week for another great guest who will help expand our knowledge and help us to lead our lives enthusiastically. Until then, stay safe and stay positive.